So we are continuing our basic training sermon series, and we've taken a look at the Trinity. Uh, we have taken a look at the mystery of uh, the person of Jesus, uh, fully human and yet fully divine. Uh, we looked last week at salvation and sort of how is it available to us and, and how do we uh, celebrate it, how are we about that. Um, today we're going to be talking about the sacraments. And so sacraments are defined uh, differently in different denominations. Um, a sacrament is me it meant really the general understanding is something that is set aside as holy. For us as United Methodists, it's something that has been set aside and sort of mandated by Jesus for us to do. In the United Methodist Church, we have two sacraments, and they are baptism and the Lord's Supper. Those are our two sacraments. Now, some of you may remember that the Catholic Church has a bunch of them. They have seven. Marriage, Eucharist, which is communion, baptism, um, confirmation, there's the sacrament of healing, a sacrament of penance, and holy orders. So they have a number of sacraments. Some other denominations have more. Um, some, our Southern Baptist brothers and sisters, um, uh, don't, don't really recognize them as sacra sacraments so much um, as they are sort of um, orders. And so, we have two, and that's baptism and communion. We and most other Protestant churches believe that these sacraments are not just symbols of something, but that there is actually the Holy Spirit is at work in these things. The way we talk about it is an outward sign of an inward and spiritual grace. So we believe that, that there is this outward sign of baptism or this outward sign of communion of the Eucharist, but we also believe that inside of us, in, in some mysterious way, God, the Holy Spirit, is at work in us and on us. What does it mean to have these sacraments. As United Methodists, we believe that these two sacraments are a means of grace. It's a way for us to experience God's grace in our life. Now, those are not the only two means of grace. We can experience God's grace through Scripture. We can experience through community and love with others. But, but for us, we also believe that these sacraments are a means of grace. And, and it's why that it's available to children. Because we want them to experience the grace of God. And the sacraments are one way. It's why we as Methodists practice an open table. Which means that you don't have to be a part of this church or the Methodist church to participate in communion. You don't really even have to be baptized. We want you to come forward and experience the grace of God that comes to us through this sacrament of the Eucharist.
These sacraments are set apart from all other things. We, we do ordination, we do marriage, but they're not sacraments. These are things that have been uniquely ordered to us by Jesus, things that have been shown to us by Jesus. So our first text is coming from the Gospel of Matthew. It's where Jesus has come to be baptized. It's chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Interestingly, this is one of the very few places that we see the triune God all together. You've got the voice of the Father, you've got the Son being baptized, and the Holy Spirit descending upon him. Jesus has consented to be baptized by John. He submitted himself, himself to baptism. And in it we see God at work in him and on him as the Holy Spirit descends upon him. And it is in the great commandment where Jesus tells us to go forth, teaching all that he had taught us, and baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That's where our mandate comes from, to go about and do this. And Jesus has displayed it for us, as we read in Matthew. So there are some questions around baptism. Does being baptized save you? Is baptism a salvific act? No. Faith in Christ is what saves us. Faith in Christ is what is forgiven us. We need only look at the thief on the cross who has faith in Christ as he's being crucified next to Jesus and Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Rather, baptism is what we do as a part, being a part of Christ's holy church. In baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. And we as Methodists believe that there's just one baptism, that we are baptized into a Christ, a universal church of believers. And so as Methodists, we recognize the baptism of other Trinitarian denominations, people who profess a triune God, who are baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. But that's not universally true. Many denominations say one baptism and we'll recognize your baptism. Some do not. 
The Catholic Church doesn't necessarily, although it depends upon the priest, recognize a baptism from another Christian denomination. <clears throat> Baptists, our Southern Baptist brethren in particular, kind of use this as a form of initiation into a local church. And so you may find that you have to be baptized um, again if you go to join a Baptist church because they're using it as an act of initiation into that specific body of Christ. We as Methodists believe that there is one baptism. We, we don't think that you need a booster baptism somewhere along the way. That the Holy Spirit has worked within you and, and has marked you as a beloved child of God. Now, there are some denominations who baptize infants, and there are some denominations that wait and, and want to claim what they call a believer's baptism. It's why, it's why all the denominations that baptize infants have a confirmation process. Because there needs to be a time when that child takes responsibility for their own faith life. It's why we have a confirmation process. When you as a parent with an infant come and baptize your child, you are promising to raise that child as a follower of Jesus until such a time as that child decides for his or herself that they're going to take responsibility for their faith. And so it's why we have confirmation. So does the method of baptism, is, it, is that important? Well, in some denominations, if you're not dunked, you're not baptized. In the Methodist, Methodist church, we recognize all three forms of baptism. Sprinkling, pouring, and immersion, which we did on cold February Sunday morning not so long ago. So sometimes the Methodist is accused of dry cleaning our babies, but we use water in every one of them. But we do. As Methodists, we recognize all three forms of baptism. But it's also important that you understand that we are all about sort of the Trinitarian baptism, being baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In another church in which I served, I had somebody who had been a Mormon and wanted to come and join our church. And because as Mormons, they're not baptized in the name of the Father and Son of Holy, and Holy Spirit, we had to baptize him. We weren't re-baptizing him weren't giving him a booster baptism because he was never baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's sort of a really demarcation point for us as Methodists in recognizing baptisms from other denominations. The other sacrament that we have is communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist. And so we were directed to do it by Jesus at the Last Supper. It, it's a part of our service. It's a part of the sacrament. Jesus tells us, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As often as you eat it, remember me. The same with the wine. 
we find the story of the Last Supper in the synoptic, synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In John, we don't see the Last Supper, but rather we have the foot washing. Aren't you glad foot washing is in a sacrament? Foot, foot washings are cool. I've done them, but yeah, they can also be kind of awkward. So, we see, we read these in the synoptic gospels, but Paul gives us sort of a synopsis of the Eucharist in 1 Corinthians. It's chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Remember, the, the sacraments are an outward sign of an inward and spiritual grace. Some see the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper, as just merely a symbol. It's a symbolic act remembering what Jesus did for us. The, the other side of the, the, the table on that is people who believe, and here's your $5 seminary word for today, transubstantiation. This means that the body and blood, the, the elements of bread and wine have literally become the body and blood of Jesus. That it somehow transformed into the actual body and blood of Jesus. Now, the Methodist church, we're kind of a big tent theologically. And, and within the United Methodist Church, you will find people who will tell you it's a symbol. And you will find people who believe that it is literally becoming the body and blood of Jesus. And you'll find people in the middle. And I find myself kind of in the middle. I believe that something happens to those elements. Something special happens to those things. I'm not sure that they become the actual body and blood of Jesus. They certainly are representative of that. It's an outward sign of an inward and spiritual grace. So when we have these sacraments, the Holy Spirit is at work in us. It is in wor at work on us. There's a whole paper that we wrote in the United Methodist Church called The Holy Mystery, and it talks about communion. And I would love to tell you, I know exactly how it works and exactly what's happening when we gather and when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, but I can't. But here's what I know, is that we all sort of experience in our own way. 
And I do know that one of the things that happens when we gather and, and we feast at the Lord's table is we are becoming one in body. That's why World Communion Sunday is really pretty cool because Christians all over the world are having communion around the same time. And we become one body when we gather at the table. So I can't tell you how you experience communion, but I can tell you what it does for me. When I come for communion, I always come with my hands cupped as a beggar because I am. I'm begging for grace, begging for forgiveness, right? And when I receive the bread, I am reminded of the body that was broken that I might have salvation. And when I dip the bread in the juice or I drink the juice, I am reminded of the blood that was shed that I might have salvation. Me, Mike Tyson, not like the world, but me. And communion for me, it's kind of like fuel for my faith. When I receive communion, I feel kind of like ready to go. I'm renewed, I'm recharged. And I have to tell you that as a pastor, Serving communion to you all are among the coolest and most awesome duties that I have. I cannot begin to even explain to you in words how amazing it is to preside at the Lord's table and share it with all of you. That's how I experience communion. But what I do know is that the Holy Spirit is present whenever we break out those elements. And that the Holy Spirit is at work in us and on us. When we break bread together at the Lord's table, we are uniting as the body of Christ. And the Lord is moving in a special way. You know, isn't it interesting that the two big parts of our sacraments are water and bread? Two elements of life. We don't have water, we don't have bread, we don't live. And that bread and that water, they make up our sacraments that give us faith, that help renew our faith. Our faith really can't live without those sacraments, without that bread, without that water. When we participate in the sacraments, God, the Holy Spirit, is at work in us. It helps us by feeding our faith. When we baptize others, part, part of our ritual is that we renew our vows that were made at our baptism so that the Holy Spirit might work within us. 
Baptism marks us in a special way as a child of God. The Eucharist provides for us a fuel for our faith to move forward. Thanks be to God for these two sacraments and all that they do for our faith. Let us pray. Gracious God, for these sacraments that you have given us, Father, we are so grateful. We are grateful that we can be a part of the baptism process, that we can be washed free of our sin, and as we watch others be baptized, we participate. The Holy Spirit is present with us, and we remember the vows that we made at our baptism. Father, for the privilege of gathering at the Lord's table, to partake of those elements, to allow them to transform us, to be fuel for our faith, Father, we thank you for these amazing gifts and the way that the Holy Spirit works among us. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.